Legend in My Spare Time podcast contains themes and subject matter that may not be suitable for some audiences. Do I have everybody's attention now? Because all I've ever really wanted is this little microphone. See, this, this is power. Anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Legend in my spare time, motherfucker. Stars shining right above you, night breezes seem to whisper I love you, birds singing in sycamore tree, dream a little dream of me. Say nighty night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone, blues can be Dream a little dream of me Stars fading, but I linger on Recording now. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of your favorite podcast, it's your boy Matt Lee's here, and before we go any further, I want you all to join me in saying a very special thanks to our guest tonight. Uh, he is the sole reason we're able to do this, folks. So please join me in saying, and I want you to actually say it out loud. Don't be embarrassed. Let's everybody say thank you to our guest, Mr. J.J. Hawkins. Thank you, J.J. Oh, I don't deserve all that, but thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. And well, like I said, uh, with the recent technical problems I've had, folks, uh, here, the fact that, I, A, I live at the bottom of a mountain. Uh, two, I bought a microphone for one pound. Uh, three, I have a Walmart laptop. Uh, so I'd given up and said, until I have better equipment, no more podcast. But JJ was kind enough to step in and say, I'll record it for you, much like he did uh, over a year ago when I didn't have any guests. Yeah, well, I uh, I couldn't leave you in the middle of a story. That's the thing. You were you were telling this grand story of a, of a man's <laughs> fall and redemption, and you can't leave that in the middle. That's fair. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad that somebody's listening. Yeah. Well, I think. I, well, I mean, you've you've had pretty good numbers lately. I think that people are listening and they want to know. You know, their boy went to their lowest lows. Let's watch him go. Let's watch him get high. That's right. Absolutely. And like it was like Weller said on one of those episodes. Thank you for showing me the lowest of lows. Yeah. I I would not have wanted to stay in that uh, Roach Motel you stayed in. Oh, dude, it was. You know, it it was one thing for people to listen to how disgusting it was, but. It was disgusting. Well, okay. Uh, let me just tell you a little story of when Elizabeth and I moved to Portland. Because uh, when we, the first time we came to Portland, so this would have been back in uh, 98, not this last time, uh, we actually were, we went back to the same apartment we'd had before, so it was an easy move. But the first time we move out here, we don't have any idea uh, like what we're going to do. Why, you know, we just, we moved out point blank with no jobs and barely enough money. And uh, so we were staying in a, uh, a super eight, which if people don't know it is a low end hotel, but it's still, uh, it still costs more than some cheaper hotels. Mm-hmm. And across the street was a truck stop, like hooker hotel. And we were like, well, you know, we better, we don't know how long we're going to be in this place. So we better, we better cut the money down. And so we went over to the hooker hotel and, uh, yeah, the, the sheets were stained. Uh, one of them still had a wet spot. Um, uh, oh. there were dead bugs in the sheets 
So no, I, I get it. I've 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 stayed and I've stayed in the uh, angst arms <laughs> before. Yeah. yeah, I've been telling people if they want to do the Matt Lee's misery tour that they go to the Kitchener Motel and ask for room seventeen. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of place that I believe room service can give you either your choice of complimentary rope or razor blades, right? That's correct, absolutely, and the kind of guy who will buy your television before you leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which she did, by the way. Oh man! But you're not there now. No, no. Now I am literally like as we well. It's dark out, so I can't technically see the mountain. But as I look to my left, I am literally living at the bottom of a gorgeous Welsh mountain. Uh, living with the, with the folks for now, um, but there it, there it is great to be home, as they say. You know, there's nothing like coming home, right? Uh, you, you don't realize you miss it until you get here. And by that, I mean, overall, I mean, there are of course some strange growing pains that I'm experiencing. Um, but overall, the overall concept is I'm back at home and I'm, I'm very happy to be here. For example, you know, being able to go to football matches once a week. Yeah, I can see that. Just that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, how, how old were you when you moved away? I was 12. Okay. And, uh, this year I will turn 31. Okay, so it's been a while. Because, I mean, I just, I, I recently, uh, you know, as I've I talked about on my show recently, uh, Mars Needs Podcast, plug, plug, plug. Um, I, I've discovered that, uh, you know, my mom's very, very ill. Okay, you got to stop doing that. Doing uh, what? I don't know. You're like brushing the mic or something. That's like the third time you've done it. Oh, I apologize. I'm wiping the screen because it started to rain. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you, when you wipe the screen, you're, you're tapping the mic. Okay, I won't do that anymore. No, well, can we, well, I don't want you to be out in the rain, man. Uh, what can we oh, do? give me one second. You just I tell you what, I'm going to get an umbrella. Give me two seconds. Okay, I'm going to okay. pause the show then. Pause. Okay. Okay, so we are now unpaused. But let me just say real quick that uh, this is such a nice little addendum to the Matt Lee story that you know now you know he's at home, he's safe, uh, but somebody else has to record this podcast for him while he sits out in the rain. Yeah, because it's the place <laughs> I can get the best Wi-Fi signal. Like so, I'm still recording, but I'm alone. I'm out in the rain. I'm in Wales. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's it's. You have to laugh so you don't cry. Yeah, um, but what I was saying. So I, 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 my mom's sick, so I went back to Mississippi where I grew up, and uh, I've been away from Mississippi now for ten years, and uh, I didn't feel at home there at all. I didn't, you know, that describe that feeling you're describing of of going home. Uh, I felt when I came back to Portland, actually. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's a that's a bonus then. Yeah. <clears throat> but you and I had talked about the whole feeling of I don't belong here. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I looked around and, you know, the places I worked uh, when I was a kid, you know, like I got my first job when I was 14 and that grocery store is gone. Um, right. You know, the restaurant I worked at uh, for uh, like seven or eight years is has been torn down. I mean. Uh, the town's barely recognizable from, you know, from where, where, you know, and that's, it's not like I even left when I was 12. I left when I was like 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, that math might yeah. be wrong. I don't, I think the math's wrong on that. But anyway, I left when I was older than 12. Yeah. Well, the, the, the bonus is neither of us are famous, so there's no Wikipedia page. Yeah, that's true. So we're not going to get an email that's like, actually, JJ, you were 19 when you left. Yeah, no, I was just trying to do the math. I was like, wait, uh, I know I left in 89 and I'm do do do. Ah, fuck it. I don't care. But anyway, I left, I left when I was out of school. <laughs> yeah, it, it was strange because I left at a point where I'd already started to grow up. Right. Then I had to change countries to grow up again at 12 or 13 in Canada. And now as a 30-year-old, I have to sort of regrow again in a whole new country again right and you got to get used to uh what uh monetary system are you on pounds 
pounds. Oh, so that's like, yeah, that's not even as easy to use as the euro. No, it's not. Not at all. And the actual pound coin is like really heavy. Right. So if you have 10 pounds in your pocket, it's literally you feel like you're carrying stones. Right. You have about 10 pounds in your pocket. Exactly. Yes. And of course, I have to once again relearn uh, various expressions that I had to learn going to Canada, altering, you know, things as simple as fries or chips, that kind of thing. Right. Um, Chips or crisps. uh, yeah, exactly. There are certain things that people say that they totally lose me, and I just I don't really ask. I'm just like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. By the time they finish their sentence, I'll figure out what the context of that was. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and then, okay, and here's one thing I've never understood, talking about going back to pounds. How many slang words are there for, like, one, like, a pound or, uh, or you know, I've never understood, like, the, you know, a quid, a pound, uh, you know, uh and then you get into like, what the fuck's a shilling? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, shilling is beyond me too. They don't use that anymore, so well, I have yeah. no idea. Well, I knew that. Um, I, I know that's but, an archaic term. Yeah, but there are multiples for pounds, and that and, and it seems like they make new ones up all the time. Exactly. I mean, you know, we. I mean, I guess here in the United States, we you know we have you know dollar and buck, but whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, there's tons of there's a lot of uh, slang grammar here. Uh, a good example of that is I watched the film last night, Attack the Block. Right, which I have not seen yet, but I very much want to. Well, it's from the guys, of course, that did Shaun of the Dead. Kind of. Um, he produced it. Right, exactly. So it's basically what would happen if aliens attacked a London tower block. Right. So uh, the things that I, well, I loved, let me just say that I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. But here are the things uh, that become uh, a struggle for somebody relearning the language, especially for somebody like yourself living in the States. Although you are sort of an Anglophile, you you follow a lot of the British programs, so you may not struggle as much. But let's just assume you're an average American like Weller is. Right. Everyone knows of Weller. Uh, So the main characters in the film... To be fair, uh, I'd say Weller's... ...like London teens. So right away, you've got the London British accent. Right. Uh, They're also black. All right, so not only do you... Like I said, you have... Black teenagers living in London, so you've got black slang, teenage slang, and British slang to deal with all at once. So there are a few portions of the film where they'll say, they'll say something to each other, and my dad and I both looked at each other and said, "What?" Right. Kind of, kind of, they kind of lost me on that one. It's the kind of thing that uh, I think the second time through you may catch a few more things. Right. Uh, uh, but I really enjoyed it. I think Nick Nick Frost's part in it is really cool. Um, I just thought it was a great film. There are the kids are really there are some really funny, uh, funny portions. Uh, they do a great job. I'm not no spoiler alerts, but they do a great job of stripping you of a lot of your empathy for the main characters. I'll leave it at that. So okay. that way you can you can have your typical alien movie without being like, oh, but I really liked him. Right, right. Well, yeah, so, I've I've heard a little bit about the fact that the the heroes of the film are kind of anti-heroes. And again, I won't go into spoilers because I know a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm very, very much looking forward to the film. I know that, uh, you know, I, I think that Edgar Wright has turned in three of the best films of the last few years. And if Edgar Wright says this movie is one of the most amazing things he's ever seen, then I'm down. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's again, it's, it's even in its, uh, you know, all these alien movies, there's always the trick. Like in Signs by M. Night Shalaman <laughs> spoiler alert, the trick is they're allergic to water. Right. And um, in uh, a War of the Worlds, uh, spoiler from something that's way before any of us were born, uh, they didn't have any immunities to the common cold. Exactly. Now, both of those were original ideas. 
And even the the plot point in this film is an original idea. It's not something that you're like, eh, all right. It's actually, you know, very well thought out. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's one of those things that when they do the quote-unquote reveal, you then think back to moments in the film where you're like, well, that's perfect. Like, everything worked out perfectly. You can tell it's a thoroughly thought-through script. And they didn't just throw it all together for a big big spin at the end, kind of like M. Night Shyamalan and started to do after Signs, I feel like. Oh, um, well, I, I still think, uh, I, okay, Shyamalan has lost his, his gumption. His last couple of films have sucked. And I, could, I didn't even see Airbender. But I still think he's... Uh, I think he's a decent filmmaker who's just uh, who needs somebody to tell him, you know, what to do. He needs a boss. And his his worst crime is that his early films were too successful. I, I think people expect too much from him when really all he does is he is really good at pacing a film. You know, his mm-hmm. films are sort of glacial, but they're still interesting. And mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, and if you stop to think too hard about uh, signs, I mean, uh, the thing about them being allergic to water, although it's kind of a nice reveal in the film, but you just go, well, come on, didn't they do any research? I mean, the planet's three quarters water, and had they never heard of rain? Right, and they were trying to kill people, and I mean, how much of our body is made up of water? Yeah, I mean, as soon as we bled on them, they were, there would be problems. Or sweat. What if they punched somebody who was sweaty? Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, didn't they didn't try to kill any fat guys, or they would have just, like, burnt up on the spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That being said, though, that film terrified me. No, I actually, I like that film. And actually, that is, I think that's kind of a mark of a good film. If a film can have a, a hole in logic that's that huge and you can still be captivated by it, mm. that's some serious filmmaking. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you will thoroughly enjoy uh, Attack the Block when you do get to see it. I think that is the film I want to see next, the film that we saw this week, because it was my girlfriend's birthday this week, and uh, you know, if it's your birthday, you get to choose the movie. And uh, my girlfriend chose to go to the feel-good movie Contagion. Okay, I haven't heard of it yet. Okay, Contagion is a film by Soderbergh, who Soderbergh is an amazing... I mean, I've grown to really love his filmmaking, um, you know, cause he can go from doing something like, you know, oceans 11 and oceans 12 or whatever. And then he turns around and does something, uh, well, like contagion. That's, that's a very low key film about a disease that wipes out a big chunk of the earth's population. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the thing that's amazing about it is rather than, you know, having like the, the stereotypical disaster shots of, you know, people, uh, you know, of like helicopter shots of like big groups of dead people and stuff. Basically it's about the CDC trying to figure out what to do. So it's a paperwork film rather than an action film. Right. So you don't have, you know, uh, I don't know, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, I'm tired of all these motherfucking germs on this motherfucking planet or whatever. <laughs> uh, you, you just have, you know, like Lawrence Fishburne playing, uh, the head of the CDC trying to figure out, you know, who he should put into what position and things like that. So it's, it's a low key film that you, you kind of go, why on earth should this be effective? But it's so effective that the uh, CDC here in the States is actually, uh, having to launch, a uh, a campaign uh, explaining that the disease in that film is fake and that people uh-huh. shouldn't be afraid because people are freaked the fuck out after they see this movie. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's like a War of the Worlds effect. Exactly. It is kind of like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause I feel bad. Um, I was having to explain to my, uh, to my girl that, uh, you know, when, so, since we've seen the film, uh, I've kind of gotten a, a mild sinus infection. I'm, I'm like drinking some, a lot of hot water just to, to talk right now. 
and uh and, and I was like, but I didn't tell her about it until today because I didn't want to admit to her that I walked out of, of a film where people's first uh, symptoms are that they have a headache and a sore throat. And I, you know, and I walked out of the theater and I'm like, I kind of have a headache and a sore throat. <laughs> and I didn't tell her for days. Yeah, I just didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want to deal with the, you hypochondriac, but not that she's like that, but still. Yes, uh, you were a true gentleman on her birthday, as Facebook told us all, sir. Uh, yeah, well, I, I actually talk about that. So we, I didn't do anything, really. All I did was try to make home, make sure she didn't come home to a, a sad, boring house with a sleepy boyfriend. But uh, if you want to hear that story, you can just listen to this week's Mars News podcast on the website of Doom. I think the I'm, website of Doom. <laughs> I think I'm done plugging now. Okay, you're getting okay. kind of robo. You plug all you want, sir. Okay, um, I'm going to pause for a sec. Um, oh. you, pl- you plug all you want, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, well, I actually was going to say I have a, a moderate, mild, mild, mild beef with you. It's very small, Uh-oh. but I just okay. I think if I don't tell you, you're never going to learn. All right, go ahead. There was a recent period of time, maybe about three months ago, where you and I had a conversation. You were on my show as opposed to me being on your show. Mm-hmm. And at that particular time, you were ha- experiencing... Uh, unusually high traffic. Right. I was experiencing the same traffic as always. Now, do you go on your show and say, Hey everybody, if you want to hear more of me talking, you can go listen to my episode of Mars needs podcast. No, you didn't mention it. No, I didn't. You rat fuck, selfish bastard. You used my show and you didn't even use your bigger audience to help me out. I know I'm a terrible, selfish Malicious bastard. So I'm just all saying. All I can say is it was deliberate and intentional, and no, it wasn't. I apologize. Well, and just for that, I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, if you want to hear the story of when Matt was in Iowa, go listen to Misinformation by Zach. Motherfucker. Um. Oh Ooh. shit, Zach. Fuck. Yeah, you can't say you can't say the the midgets last. Yeah, name. Hang on, I'll edit all of that. No, you don't have to. Well, fuck him. Okay. Well, I'm still going to edit out his last name. <laughs> okay. Hey, while, right. while I'm at it, why don't I give a street address in his profession while we're talking? <laughs> the pro- yeah, but the problem is, I uh, yeah, no, I usually refer to him by his last name. Uh, like when uh, Jason and I mentioned him at DragonCon this year, we usually refer to him by his last name, not his first. I don't know why. He's just one of those people. Absolutely. Well, I, I uh, if you guys heard the misinformation episode where I kept saying Hank, yeah, <laughs> that was because I kept referring to people as their last name because when you, that's what everybody does there. Everybody is their last name. Yes. Prime example, Weller. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't have weird parents who named him Weller. <laughs> His name's Weller Weller. It's really strange. Exactly. Yeah, he is a strange character, but a good man indeed. Yes, and I would say that you earlier called him an average American. I'd say he's above average. Well, yes, I, I meant average American in his knowledge of British things. Okay. Because <laughs> there aren't there are many things about Weller that are average. And, uh, and I will still... Truly. I will say that uh, I, I still... I told him this in person, and I will still say, I think he has one of the best voices in podcasting, and it's too, it's a shame that he, he uh, doesn't really do it much more now that he lives in uh, Iowa. Idaho. Idaho. Idaho, excuse me. Sorry. Come on, man. Get your story straight. I had to keep the myth right. Sorry, I had to keep the myth right, and I I just I forget the myth. Uh, Sorry, I I I kind of figured that out that particular uh, story uh, out pretty much right away when he put a picture up on Facebook almost immediately and went, oh okay. (laughs) 
Yeah, I was one of the guys who fell for it. And I mean, oh. during our recent time together, we talked about how even though we met on the internet, we consider each other our, among each other's closest friends. Right. Uh, when I listened to that episode where he was talking about how he was leaving, I was literally sitting there with my iPod on going, what the fuck, dude? I could have used a heads up here. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Um, okay, now let's get to the nuts and bolts. How okay. the hell are you surviving in uh, in uh, Wales? How are you doing? I'm doing all okay. There are, of course, growing pains. I think I mentioned that earlier. Right. Um, like I don't. Uh, I, I feel. I feel at home in that. Like I said, you get to go to football games, and this is the place that I was born. Like literally, the first school I went to is out my door, uh, and three houses down across the street is the first school I ever attended. Oh wow. Actually, so it's literally like I was a baby here, right? Uh, the family is here, which is great. It's really cool to see little cousins that I've only ever seen once a year for their entire lives. Right. I now get to see them once a week or you know, more than that, which is really fantastic. Uh, but I still don't feel like I belong. I understand. Uh, well, you don't overall. sound, you don't sound the, Welsh. No, I don't sound Welsh at all. Are you, are you cranking uh-huh. Tom Jones from your car, though, when you go out just to prove that, like, look, I'm Welsh. See? Sex bomb. Sex bomb. No, not at all. I think that's kind of like being in Canada and listening to uh, Nickelback or being in the States and listening to Kiss. Uh, Kiss still has fans. Uh, let's mention a band that I despise. So uh, I, I don't know. Let's say Brian. At- no, he's Canadian. Fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Collins is English. Uh, 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 oh, how about, uh, how about John Cougar Mellencamp? Perfect. So it's like driving through the States trying to prove your Americanness by listening to John, we should have done Ted Nugent. That would have been a perfect one. Yeah, he shares my birthday, actually. Oh, wow. Ted the Nuge, Uncle Ted. I mean, to be fair, he had it first, but uh, we we share the same birth date. So does Dick Van Dyke. Oh, wow. See, I was just going to say I like I like you a lot more than Ted Nugent, but Dick Van Dyke, that's a bad motherfucker right there. No kidding. I know. I, I know. I, I'll, take, I'll play second fiddle to Dick Van Dyke. No problem. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. No, so things are going well. I, I did the first day of my job today. I got a new job. Now I'm not uh, going to ask you exactly what it is, but do you are you happy with it? I mean, do you are you like a Walmart greeter or do you have a decent job? Uh, you know, it's uh, I used to wear I I can I don't mind saying it's in the cellular cellular industry. Okay, so you're back uh, at the uh, Ministry of Defense, so to speak. Exactly. So I did years and years at the Ministry of Defense in Canada. So based on that experience, I applied at Scotland Yard. Okay. Here in Wales. Okay. Where there's Scotland Yard. Let's location. say Interpol. Let's say Interpol. Interpol. So now I work for Interpol. and That's actually uh, really sexy. So. I, I applied on purpose because I knew that with my experience, I'd almost be a shoo-in. Mm-hmm. I handed in the resume Friday. He called Saturday. Uh, and then I started work uh, today. So, I mean, it's really, really cool. Fantastic. Um, and it's it, what's really cool about it is I went in for the interview. And, uh, you know, when you meet somebody, you kind of know right away whether or not you're going to get along well. Yes, I've, I've definitely had those interviews. Yeah. Well, I knew the boss right away. I knew that him and I were going to get along. Uh, so immediately he said, you know, they get to the part of the interview where, because, you know, you do the whole, tell me about your work experience. And I fed him the lines because I knew I had all the experience that he wanted. So I hit the points that I needed to hit. And then he said, okay, well, tell me about yourself personally. And I started with, well, I'm kind of a nerd. And he goes, amazing. Me too. Let's have it. Where do your, where does your nerd lay? Or where does your nerd lie? So I let it all out. I talked about how I hate flappy neck, flappy neck George Lucas for ruining my childhood. Uh, I talked about how I love wrestling, and uh, he was relieved because he both hates George Lucas, flappy neck version, 
and, and he's a he's a lover of professional wrestling, and the rest of the staff make fun of him for liking wrestling. <laughs> so he said, "It'll be nice to have another wrestling fan around here." And of course, I'm thinking, "I got this motherfucker now." Yeah, I mean, we we both love Star Wars and we both love wrestling. I'm in. So uh, yeah, it was really cool. And uh, my first shift today, it's definitely an atmosphere that I can get along with. Uh, people, the, the staff there, kind of friendly in a friendly way, tease each other, and there's definitely a great air. You know, you can go into a, a place and you can feel right away if there's like this over overwhelming feeling of grossness and negativity, right. which is what I felt at the pub that I was working at before I left Canada. Right. I mean, people going in there could tell the staff hated it there. They could tell the management were awful to us, and you just had this vibe. This place, perfect vibe. I mean, half an hour into my first shift, I felt welcomed. I felt you know warm, and I got along with everybody. Uh, I got asked twice today if I was an American uh, because, of course, I talk funny. Yeah, you, hey, boy, you talk funny. Right. You must be from America. Um, but I know it was great. I was really glad to be doing something that uh, something that I'm familiar with. It's not like going into a new job where you have to relearn everything. Right. Um, other than individual policies and how the computer works, I already know, you know how to shoot a gun and how to fly a fighter jet. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, you know how to arrest a guy. Exactly. So it's just a matter of picking up, you know, how you read him as rights here in Britain. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So no, I'm glad to be doing something that uh, that I that I that I have a knowledge base in. I mean, that's great. Um, based on originally, I was only hired for ten hours a week, which is weak. You know, it's a good start. But uh, based on my experience, they've already doubled that for me. Oh, fantastic! Uh, so it's I'm fitting in right away. So that's perfect. I mean, it's, there's nothing worse than having a job where you know you don't feel like you fit in. You don't really enjoy it. You just have to do it. Right. I don't feel that way about this one. So that's perfect. Uh, that part of the life is settled. Uh, outside of that, I mean, there's it's there's not really a lot going on. I mean, I had to wait the last month so I could get a social insurance number here. So I did a lot of watching television, and I watched every single episode of The Big Bang Theory. Okay, which I have still never watched. I love it. I mean, it's great. Uh, Zach from Misinfo has a preemptive beef with it. I feel uh, he, he feels like he shouldn't watch it because it kind of makes fun of nerds and he doesn't want to support that in any way but i think the show is hilarious okay because uh, my thing the reason i didn't start watching it is not that it makes fun of of nerds or geek culture but my thing is i looked at it and i was like okay those are people that are uh hollywood versions of what nerds and geeks are and yeah a little bit, yeah and i just felt that you know quite frankly we are legion we are everywhere and so mm-hmm. I, I just I felt that it was a little uh, that it was probably going to annoy me because I was going to watch it and they were going to throw in you know the token uh, Doctor Who reference or the token uh, the you know comic book reference and and then we you know those of us who were you know wanting to see something that actually reflected how we feel about things were supposed to go oh yay they're talking to us you know kind of like you know kind of like I don't know. I would have felt if I were homosexual watching uh, 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 Will and Grace or something, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, I don't think they do as much of that as people think that they do. Um, okay. The guys in it essentially, you know, like one's a, one's a nuclear physicist, one's a, like one's an astrophysicist. Uh, they make fun of smart people a lot more than they make fun of nerds. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, they, they have the Justice League statues in their apartment. Uh, every Wednesday is new comic book day, so they go to the comic book store. But it's not there's not as much in it uh, negativity negatively as as uh, as I think people say there is. I mean, the one character wears a lot of Green Lantern shirts. Uh, he wears a lot of Flash shirts, and it's it's actually cool to watch because 
if it's an episode where the main this character Sheldon is in a specifically bad mood, he may be he may be wearing a Sinestro t-shirt. Oh, fun. Okay. Right. So if he's pissed off that week, he's wearing a, a villain t-shirt almost, and it's that part of it I really enjoy. They they do uh, they do a few Star Wars references, but it definitely doesn't feel as much like. And insert token nerd reference here. Ding. Okay. It's more of a, I feel like the guys are, I think the, some of the writers, I mean, it's from writers from Roseanne and Two and a Half Men. Right. Uh, I think he's just kind of a nerd and he wanted to put some of that out there. Okay. Um, no, it's a, I think uh, if you give it some time, I think you might enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a funny show. Then again, you may hate it. You know, you may be like, you lied to me, Matt, please. Uh, no, everybody has a right to their own opinion. I mean, yeah. I would never think you lied to me. I would just be like, wow, okay, this is, I maybe don't trust Matt's taste on things as much. No, um, fair enough. There's a great recurring cameos by Will Wheaton. Spoiler right. alert, I guess. Nah, I, I knew he was uh, on the show. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's great in it. He's essentially a nemesis to this Sheldon character. Because they've had consistent run-ins through their life or through Sheldon's life where he feels Will Wheaton has wronged him. Um, and there's one great line where he bumps into him and he says, Oh, if it isn't Will Wheaton, the Jar Jar Binks of the Star Trek universe. Oh, wow. So he's actually playing Will Wheaton then. That's kind of fun. Yeah, he's literally playing Will Wheaton. So it's it's funny because Sheldon hates him, but the other guys in the show will be like, I really like your work. And he's like, thanks a lot. But him and Sheldon just have this constant battle in which they'll do the Sheldon drops to his knees. Camera is above his head. He looks at the camera and goes, Will Wheaton! <laughs> and I, I uh, just recently um, listened to an episode of The Nerdist where he interviewed the cast of The Big Bang Theory. And I thought it was interesting. Apparently, they've added, uh, I don't remember exactly how to say her name, like Malcolm Balick, the chick who played Blossom like yes. a million years. And apparently, she's a, a, a PhD in uh in bio biophysics or something like that biochemistry or biophysics right yeah and they were saying that sometimes when they need techno jargon she'll kind of chip in a little bit and help out a little bit which is really interesting yeah and that you know you're um, just like well okay well that i have to admit after listening to that i kind of wanted to watch the show but then also when i heard that it was you know created by the same guy who did two and a half men and i actually uh for a split second, uh, you know, I was home. I saw that uh, there, uh, there was a bunch of news stories this week about how they were bringing back the uh, two and a half men, and you know, and this was the episode where they were going to reveal what they did with uh, Charlie Sheen's character. And I, and I, so I did actually buy into the hype for a minute and watched about five minutes of Two and a Half Men, and that was all I could handle. And what did they do to his character? Um, he got. Uh, well, there was a character that he had apparently a uh, sort of a crazy love affair, on and off love affair, and he, you know they got married. He cheated on her, and then she, and then he fell in air quotes in front of a train, uh, and exploded like a big bag of meat. Which wow, that's not funny at all. Well, no, yeah, and then uh, but the thing that got me is okay. So then they this is this is when I turned it off is because then it cut to a scene where John Cryer was holding the urn, and you're like, okay, well this is a sitcom. Who is that urn going to end up? You know, who are the ashes going to end up on? And the mm -hmm. second you know, and the second that he poured the ashes on somebody, I'm like, I'm out. You know, yeah. that joke's been done to death. Uh, the last time it was funny was in The Big Lebowski because they managed to do it in a way that it wasn't expected. But come on, give me something different than that. Yeah, well, I guess I guess the lesson learned is Two and a Half Men is not The Big Lebowski. 
Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just putting it out there. Some of my listeners may be dumbasses, so I'm just throwing it out there. If you are, if you are dumb enough to think the two and a half men is the same quality as the Big Lebowski, I don't think you can figure out how to download a podcast. Quite frankly, no. And, and if you're you pro- did, turn it off. You're not welcome here any longer. <laughs> you still probably have you have probably a CD over your iPod, and you're smashing it with a rock trying to get the music into your iPod. <laughs> yes, yeah, screaming madly. Which I'm sure has been done millions of times. Yes. Um, we, we almost got onto comic books there for a second. Uh, have you been reading any of the new 52, as DC are calling them? I, um, I no. Uh, short answer, no. I'm, I'm uh, probably about to in the fact that uh, a friend of mine has uh, legally acquired a bunch of the files. Um, but no, I kind of, I'm, I, I, I'm... You know that that line uh, from Godfather Two, where he's like, you know, every time I try to get out, they keep pulling me back in. Um, that's yes. kind of how I feel about comics, and I'm, I've kind of, for a while, I've kind of been out because let's see, about I guess it was about three years ago when I got fired from my job, and all of a sudden I went from having a lot of pocket money to no pocket money at all, and my new job oh. just has not really feel, filled that void. <laughs> my new job <laughs> pays the bills, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say new. I've been there for three years, <laughs> um, right. but uh, uh, and so I kind of uh, I went cold turkey because I was like, if I if I try to cut them back, I'm gonna you know you have that thing where like it would be like uh, well speaking let's use your analogy or, or an analogy that's closer to your world. Uh, let's say all of a sudden you were told that uh, you were no longer allowed to watch you know, raw and everything. You were only allowed to follow one wrestler story. Right. And then you have to go, Oh, okay. Well, you know, let's say my favorite wrestler is just cause everybody loves him now. My favorite wrestler is CM Punk, but, um, but I really want to know what's going on with, uh, you know, like the, the old favorite, the undertaker, because you know, he, every once in a while he has good storylines. Oh, who do I pick? And, uh, yeah. and that's kind of how I felt. So I was like, well then if I'm not going to be able to read everything, I should read nothing at all. And, I mean that's fair. And so I'm I've kind of been dipping my toe back in lately, but then when you relaunch everything all at once, uh it's too, it's again, it's too much. It's it's again wanting you to get everything. Now, am I curious? Yes, because I've heard that uh they turned Animal Man into one of the most uh amazing uh amazing stories to come out of DC oh. in years, and I'm really intrigued by that. Um See now, me, I haven't I don't remember in recent like I did not remember the last time I bought a comic book. Right. So when they did the relaunch, I thought it was a good time to jump back into it. That makes perfect sense. That's why they did it. Yeah, exactly. That's why they did it, to get guys like me back into the game. So I bought number one of the Justice League. Which I want. Uh, I have to admit, I am very curious about. Yeah, I bought number one of the Green Lantern. Eh. Eh, I I mean, that's how I felt. I was like, eh. I love uh, Green I Lantern. Number one of Action Comics. I've heard Action. I've heard the three that you need to buy are Action uh, uh, action Justice League, or I guess it's, or the, it's Action Justice League, Animal Man, and Swamp Thing. I guess that's the four that I've heard are the best. Mm-hmm. Now, I only bought Action Comics. I don't plan to buy the rest of them. But who doesn't want to own an Action Comics number one, right? Well, okay, yeah, I can see that. But I've actually heard it's a very cool, it's a good jumping on po- uh, point for Superman. It'd yeah, be- it is, but Superman's wearing jeans in it, and I really can't get past that. Well, because it's supposedly a time before, you know, it takes place in a slightly, you know, it's not taking place the same timeline as, as, like, the other Superman. So this is at the point, kind of like when Action Comics first started, when Superman couldn't fly yet, and Superman could still get, you know, if he got shot, he might get a bruise. 
And right. so he's not a – he doesn't really know who he's supposed to be. I think that's actually a very interesting place to take the story because it's a, something that we haven't read before. You know, it's mm-hmm. very hard in these things to give us something we haven't read before. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I really enjoyed the Justice League number one. Uh, I think there's a great uh, – I mean, basically, it's just – it's basically a Batman and Green Lantern for a section of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Batman has a great stupid kid attitude towards Green Lantern. Which comes off really well and was really enjoyable. But what I'd forgotten was, A, how expensive comic books are. Yes. And B, how short they are. Yes. Well, they didn't used to be that short. That's actually something that's happening more and more now as as prices go up. I mean, not to be vulgar, but I took Justice League into the bathroom with me. Yeah. No, I, I know. There was hardly enough there to finish the job. And I was like, I should have brought two comics in here. Yep. No, so, I, 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 mean, I, I I'm glad I bought them and I'm, I'm enjoying reading them. But, I mean, it's like three or four dollars or pounds an issue and it's that's that's a lot well what you need what you have to do now is do the same thing that uh, a lot i mean because i i i have been one of the dinosaurs and i i like getting my monthly fix i like the floppies but i have come to the decision now that i just i can't do that and i i have now become one of the collected trade people Right. So anything, anything I buy now, you know, I've if I've lived for like three years without reading comics, I can certainly wait to get you know two fixes of the story a year because that's what happens. You get about six issues and they come out with a collective trade, and rather than play, paying, uh, rather than paying, uh, you know, four bucks for an issue, then you pay like you know twelve bucks for six issues, and uh, and it's a much more satisfying read. Yeah, because it feels like they just get the story going and then they. They cut you right off, and it's 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 not 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 an enjoyable experience. No, and the thing that frustrates me uh, about it also is that uh, um, wait, where was I going with that? Uh, crap, I had a thing. I actually had something I was going to say, and it actually just floated right the fuck out of my head. Excuse me. It's okay. Welcome to Legend in My Spare Time. Yeah, no, <laughs> but no, I find it incredibly frustrating. I find that the the, the twenty two issue format uh, incredibly frustrating, um, and so you know, and, and uh, you know, my friend uh, Aaron. Uh, has a pattern that makes a lot of sense to me because it's a way to keep up and continue your comic fix but not pay tons all at once. Mm -hmm. And that's that once a week he goes into uh, the local bookstore and picks up one trade. So his comic fix costs him, you know, depending on the trade, it's going to cost you somewhere between like 16 and 20 bucks a week. Right. Um, And that's, you know, and that's, where he gets his fix once a week, he buys one trade and that gives you a, you know, a couple hours of reading. And then, you know, cause I, I, when I flew, I forgot my book, uh, when I flew mm-hmm. to dragon con recently and I picked up, uh, now I'm lucky with the fact that my girlfriend works at a bookstore, so I got a discount, but I picked up uh kick-ass cause I'd never read kick-ass. I'd only seen it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so yeah, it was kind of nice to just, you know, have that, you know, that big chunk of story to read on the plane. And then I found out that, uh, I like the movie better than the comic, but that's strange. But what a great movie, though! It was a great movie, and I think that the movie actually takes the weaknesses of the of the comic, and uh, and works with it. Yeah, what's interesting is the kid who plays Kickass. I don't remember his name. Neither do I. Uh, he's an English actor, right? And if you look up the movie Nowhere Boy, he plays a teenage John Lennon, right? Uh, and he does a phenomenal job. Uh, I, I'd heard that, but it never got released here in the states. Oh, that's too bad. Um, it's I. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I've always been a Beatles fan, and I've always had a somewhat strange uh, emotional connection to John Lennon and his work. So I was, of course, going to enjoy it, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought being somebody that, like I said, I've always read up. I've read a lot of biographies for John Lennon. 
I've seen a lot of documentaries about the Beatles, mm-hmm. and they did a lot of things where they threw in little tiny, even like in jokes between the Beatles at the very beginning that you know they Paul talked about in the Beatles anthology DVDs, like just little things that they did that somebody watching who didn't know these things wouldn't even catch it. But for me, there were so many points where I was like, they got that perfectly correct. They got that perfectly right. Um, like I remember in the Beatles anthology DVDs, Paul talks about the first time he met John, John was totally like Mr. Cool. So he knew we had to impress him. So he played this song, which I don't, I don't remember the, the title of it, but it's the, it's got a long run of lyrics in it and it's one, two, it's counting and bass has got a lot of chords in it. So anyway, that's the first song he ever played for John to try to impress him. Right. So in the film, when young Paul McCartney meets John Lennon, he says, here, I can play this song. And he plays that song. So for me, I was like, that's fucking genius like it's so great that they did that song because that's the first one yeah and uh that movie is that movie was great i, I thoroughly enjoyed it absolutely that's fantastic because you know i am also a beatles fan i not to the point that i would know the song uh i i'm actually I, i'm humbled that uh that i've now uh, met my match because i usually know more beatles lore than most people around me <laughs> uh but uh, no, I, I very much look forward to seeing it. I just have been waiting for uh, a way to actually watch it legally in the United States. <laughs> yeah, which isn't which isn't going to be easy for you. No. Uh, do you have a multi-region DVD player? I do not. So I, I could be I could be much more helpful to you if you had a multi-region DVD player because then I could just send you one. Exactly. No, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I might be able to find it on Amazon or something. But that's actually one thing that's kind of interesting. Uh, I just was talking about this with somebody that uh, now uh, the things are moving into Blu-ray for some reason. Although they have region encoding on Blu-rays, they're not bothering to do it. Yeah, that's cr- even over here. I actually was just looking into that as well. And I saw that you can purchase here multi-region or region-free Blu-ray players. Okay, but I don't even know that you need them because, like, uh, okay, uh, a movie that you and I have talked about before, uh, Bugsy Malone, never has been released on Blu-ray in the United States, but it has been released on Blu-ray in the UK. So I can actually order it from Amazon UK, and it's region-free. I haven't done it. That's very intriguing to me because I brought all my Blu-rays with me in a binder. Yeah, I, you should check them because I, I, there's a certain companies. I think it's uh, you was it Univ- No, it's Paramount. Paramount hasn't region encoded any of their DVDs, or pardon me, Blu-rays. Oh, that's very that's very exciting because I've got some great like I've got Blu-rays upstairs uh, in a binder. Like I said, that I was essentially thinking were useless until I got a multi-region player. But uh, I would look into it before you invest. Oh, absolutely. And it's great that you told me this now that I didn't just go and buy one for however much it was going to be. <laughs> I'm glad if I can save you a couple bucks. Yeah. Absolutely. No, uh, that's cool. That Yeah, that's um, that movie was great. Uh, Kick-Ass was great as well. Yeah. Um, now, to lead, our, to lead us into a momentary segue, did you see X-Men First Class? <laughs> yes, I did. I've what seen it think? twice now. Uh, I loved it. I, I thought... Um, it uh, okay. So if you have to rank, you know, before X Men First Class, it was definitely the second X Men, then the first X Men, and then that piece of shit that should have never gotten made. Um, and, but I, 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 this one is to me story wise, it's pretty close to X Men Two. I was, I just, I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I absolutely did too. I felt like you got more of an emotional connection with the characters. I'm not sure why that was, but I definitely invested in those guys in that film, and I really, and to the point that. When the big thing happens, you know, to Professor X, we won't ruin anything for anyone. Right. But when that point happens, 
it was a very emotional experience. Like you really felt it almost, or I, at least I did. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, again, did a good job of making you care about him all the way through. Yeah. You have to kind of, again, go back to uh, what we were saying about the movie uh, signs and the fact that if you then realize that they're trying to sandwich it into the other movies, it, there are mistakes, you know, not as big as say, you know, uh, saying I learned from Yoda and then all of a sudden you've got Qui-Gon Jinn mistakes, but there, they, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the continuity perfectly, but it's a good enough film that I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and I thought the cameo was great. The cameo is excellent. And it's one of the, considering it a PG 13 rated film, you get the, you, you get to say the word fuck once and they really put it in the right place. Absolutely, because I don't remember that they used the word fuck in any of the other X-Men's. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember it anyway, but no, they did it in such a way that you just, that was great. That was awesome. That was how I felt. It was. Um, but that, but without, I guess we sort of did just ruin it, because I'm about to ruin it with the segue, so spoiler alert. This is a completely and, unrelated segue. We're talking about X-Men, and right. other X. there have been three X-Men movies. No, there have been four X-Men movies now featuring this actor, so why would you think anything else? Exactly. So blink, blink, that being blink. said, we're discussing Hugh Jackman. Right. Uh, and we're going into some of my listeners' favorite topic, professional wrestling. Because uh, <laughs> this past week, Hugh Jackman hosted Monday Night Raw and uh, punched a wrestler in the mouth. Yep. And the story on Twitter and all over the world was that he broke his jaw. Which I have to say, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, wrestling is, is predetermined or anything, but I'm just Which saying. Is. I'm just saying that when a uh, stage and film actor uh, throws a punch that uh, the camera angle is not quite right to disguise the fact that it is a stage and film punch, um, maybe you should think about whether or not you want to say your jaw was broken. Yeah, because you could tell <laughs> from seeing the footage that they try to, but it's live television, so it's hard. The they camera angle... They took the shot behind the wrestler, right? And they tried to block it, but the camera was moving closer to them, and you could totally see that it was an air punch. Yeah, it was it was a little it was just slightly at the wrong angle because, you know, the the they didn't the actors didn't quite hit their marks or it, it maybe, you know, we'll say Hugh Jackman was on his mark because he's a professional. <laughs> but uh yeah. It, but yeah, they he wasn't he wasn't quite blocked fully with his body. And so yeah, you could tell it was a whiffer. Yeah, which is, you know, that's a shame. But, yeah, the wrestler then tweeted that he broke his jaw, to which somebody replied on Twitter, you fuck with the Wolverine, you get the claws, which I thought was great. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, there were signs in the – well, the one the first sign you see uh, – firstly, I want to say that they've done a lot of special guests and guest hosts on Raw. And some of them you can tell, okay, my agent hooked me up with this because Raw gets 3 million people watching. Right. But I know nothing about wrestling. Hugh Jackman jumped in the ring, ran the ropes, looked genuinely excited to be there, kind of knew guys' names as if he'd either learned his lines really well or he sort of is into wrestling a little bit. Because, you know, you can tell the difference between people being comfortable and people being learned, I guess. Right. Um, but they, they did this whole twist where, you know, he was basically going to choose an opponent for the guy whose jaw he would later break. Uh, and there was a, a sign in the crowd that said Zack Ryder, which is the wrestler he chose, and it had the greater than sign. Wolverine. So Hugh Jackman, in what I can only imagine was a spur of the moment thing, jumped out of the ring, ran to the crowd, 
grabbed the sign, ran into the ring, and held up the sign that said, Zack Ryder is greater than Wolverine, and the crowd went crazy. Oh, I didn't see that clip. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And then, of course, that that wrestler, the, the great thing about Zack Ryder is he was one of the wrestlers who wasn't getting a push, as they say in the business. Right. So he wasn't getting on the television shows. He was not getting on the pay-per-views. Then he started doing a YouTube show called The Long Island Z True Story, I think. Okay. Because that's a play on the long, the, the true Hollywood story. Okay. Uh, but anyway, essentially, his, his at one point, his YouTube show was getting better hits than Monday Night Raw. Oh, wow. So now they're starting to push him on television because the crowd are also demanding it. So they'd have different matches between two other completely related guys to which the crowd would interrupt it, chanting, we want Ryder. So now they started pushing Zack Ryder on television. So he's the prime example of a guy who went out and did it for himself. And he literally, they weren't going to give him a push. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go on YouTube. And it got to the point where all the other wrestlers were supporting him. So John Cena did his YouTube show. All the wrestlers did his YouTube show, and now they're pushing him on television. And he comes down the ring. He comes down to the ring now with his handicam in his hand, filming for his YouTube show. Oh, that's cool. Is he now? Is he the guy who like had the band? I mean, because I don't follow wrestling, I admit. But was he the guy with the bandana that's very much a bro? Yeah, the broski bandana, which Jackman was then wearing at ringside. Yeah, I did see that. But okay, which could be better promotion for Zack Ryder. That's true. I, I have to admit, I found his character annoying as fuck. The Zack Ryder character. Yeah. The hey, come on, man, let's go, bro. Yeah, fist bump. <laughs> I mean, I, that's not- literally yeah. That's definitely his character. So yeah, the character is very annoying. Yeah, uh, it's almost like a Matthew McConaughey character. Yeah, no homo, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but i mean it, it's cool that he literally just did it for himself okay if you're not going to give me any promotion i'm going to do it for myself oh hell yeah no I, I find that actually really amazing i mean that's the that's the it's the, the the american dream exactly and if you look at the history of wrestling all the biggest guys did it for themselves stone cold steve austin they wanted to name him the ringmaster and yeah. have him managed by the million dollar man and he was pretty much like, this sucks balls. I'm going to come up with my own idea. And he became one of the biggest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. The Rock was named Rocky Maivia, and they made him wear bright blue, gold, and white tassels to the ring. Uh, and he was like, no, no, no. I'm going to think of my own character, and I'm going to do this my own way, which he then did and became one of the biggest guys in the world. So outside of the fact that Zack Ryder's character is ridiculously annoying and will have a stage life or a shelf life, with the fans other than that he's doing he's doing all the right things right now yeah well and hopefully by that point uh if he if the character needs to get tweaked uh hopefully his his name will be established enough that he'll be able to go through some sort of personality change he'll have a head injury and change his personality or whatever yeah hopefully they'll do that they won't they won't uh, just keep pushing him as this hey bro cool yeah because that you know that I, that I didn't particularly care for that when michelangelo was doing it on the ninja turtles <laughs> no no although he was my favorite ninja turtle as a child oh well, okay i was more of a donatello guy that's fair i mean no some some guys are donatello's and some guys are michelangelo's yeah well yeah you know, i was a robin hood fan and you know he fought with a bow which is very very similar to a quarterstaff so i was already i was predisposed uh to liking uh donatello fair enough and Corey feldman did the voice of michelangelo didn't he no Corey feldman actually did the voice of donatello <laughs> which doesn't make sense does it no 
I was going to say, I was pre uh, preordained to like Michelangelo because it was Feldman, but it wasn't. So I'm just talking shit. No, but Corey Feldman also, I will say right now, and I will, I will throw down on this, is that Corey Feldman is a much better actor than people want to give him credit for. Ha, you know, has he sort of believed the hype and become kind of a, a, a pathetic uh, parody of himself? Yes. But if you watch some of his early works, the guy was a hell of a good child actor who... Um, who ha- led a life that unfortunately, you know, his shelf life was was brief, but uh, he, you know, turned in some some performance. Like uh, there, most of the like Corey and Corey films suck. But if you watch his performance in the movie Dream a Little Dream, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, suppo- that was a great movie with yeah, Kevin Spacey too, right? Yeah, uh, I don't remember if Kevin Spacey was in it, but I know that uh, uh, Jason Robards was in it, and uh, that's yeah. the movie where he switches bodies with Jason Robards, and Jason Robards is an amazing actor, or was, and uh, and so you know he you know the fact that Corey Feldman was able to channel you know somebody who was you know way above his station uh, in talent. And, uh, you know, and held his own, I, I will, you know, I'll say, Hey man, he's, he was good. Yeah. I can't hate on Corey Feldman because well, one, cause I love him and two, because he's been in too many of my like movies that I can consistently go back and watch over and over again. That's true. And that's, that's the sign of a great actor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Keep watching it. I mean, who hasn't seen the Goonies a hundred times? I've, I've seen the house. I've, I've gone to uh, Astoria, Oregon and then like gone up to the house. Yeah. I would love to do that stuff. That's just amazing. And I mean, Stand By Me, of course. Yeah. Uh, Lost Boys and Gremlins. Is he in Gremlins? He is in Gremlins. He's the little kid wow. who like has to do the Christmas tree. Oh, wow. See, I haven't seen Gremlins in so long. Oh, he's so good in Gremlins. Yeah, I need to get back. I need to see. Now I have a reason because I've seen it a few times on DVD or Blu-ray and I'd be like, uh, this is nostalgia making me, making me want to buy this. I don't know if I'll actually still love it but it, feldman's in it so i'm in it's an actual good film and if nothing else you'll walk around uh for a couple of days doing the whole nah, 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 it's great music yeah well actually even the, the when they did even in dream a little dream that film caused me to be addicted to that song yeah yeah and even as soon as you mentioned it it's now playing over and over in my head because it's a great song. It's a classic, and it's now stuck in my head. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking the the newly formed uh, Matt Lee's Welsh Band should probably, because I know you're not going to be called the Matt Lee's Band. But, uh, That's right. <laughs> but the Matt Lee's Welsh well, Band. <laughs> should do that. Should do that song. Rock it yeah. up a bit. Well, I've been thinking, like, I, I presently don't own any instruments because I sold them to Weller. Uh, because that was easier than shipping them here because they wanted so much money to ship them that I just laughed it off. Right. But I think from a musical standpoint, I'd love to just, I don't know if I talked about this on the show already, but I'd no. like to just find a band here that wants a lead singer or wants a rhythm guitarist yeah, and just kind of be a musician again and not be the front man who's responsible for booking the gigs, writing the gigs, scheduling the gig, writing the songs, making sure everything goes well. Maybe I just want to be a part of a machine for a while. Well, and maybe you need to, because last time we talked, uh, you were really talking about how, how burnt out you were, which upset me because I actually... Uh, I, I actually like the stuff that you've written that I've been able to hear, and I, I actually think that you're uh, a much bigger talent than you, you know, than the amount of burnout you were feeling. So I'm hoping. I'm sorry, I just got a Skype t- a message. I will tell him that we're recording, and I'll talk to him later. Um, but uh, uh, no, but I think that you're far more talented than uh, than you know than the level of burnout that uh, that you were complaining of. And I think that maybe if what it takes is for you to be a side man and rediscover music again, then that's certainly worth it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, thank you, by the way. And I also think that not having an instrument is going to help me get that passion back. Because yeah. when the guitar is just sitting there all day and you're like, oh, I'll play it later. I'll practice later. I'll write something later. Well, right now I don't have that option because I don't own a guitar. Right. Uh, so yesterday my, my young cousin is taking guitar in school. Uh, she brought over her guitar so that I could restring it for her. Uh, and then for the next hour, I just kind of sat and noodled, which was fun, which was exciting. You know, it was because it's been a while and it's been out of my reach and it's not right there for me. Right. Um, so it was kind of like I could already feel that rekindled passion, even just a little bit kind of bubbling on the surface. So there's definitely this is definitely what I needed was to rip off the bandaid and be totally out of it. Yeah. I'm to refine that. I'm just saying, yeah, if the world needs to hear, you know, Matt Lee's music, it shouldn't just be. Excuse me. It shouldn't just be uh, blaring at the beginning and ending of uh, misinformation. No, that's fair. Which, yeah. by the way, I hate that version of I hate that version of hostile because it's unfinished. <laughs> well, then yeah. finish it and get it back to him. Personally, exactly. I I thought that you know if it's going to be for for Zach, uh, I, I would have you know it seemed like you should you know up the tempo a bit, but that's just me. <laughs> well, and while I was there, I also offered to play it live with my acoustic and give him a live version that he could use every week. And he said, no, what an idiot. Excuse well, me. We just, we, I don't know whether he said no or whether we just didn't get around to it. It was one of those things that I didn't have the guitar with me at that time okay. or whatever it was. But I definitely said like, you know, you have the mics here. I'll just sit here and play it. And then I can actually, then you can overdub it and I can do a little bit of extra guitar for it. And then you can have the one original version that will only exist for this podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's not, you know, totally over. It's not something we can't do, but I mean, it's just being a creator. I mean, I don't need to tell you, it's kind of like letting somebody watch your play when you're not quite ready to do a dress rehearsal yet. But I will you say, almost, you almost want to go to every guy in the scene and be like, now listen, the part where he said this, he'll deliver that line with much more passion. And the scene there, the lights were supposed to come up much quicker. Like that's, I almost want to email all his listeners and explain to them. The, the parts I, that I understand, but here, but here, let me put this. Let me put this like this, because uh, I, and this is something that again I hate to to retread over something. It's just that I had just recorded my show last night, so I still have some of these things around in my head. Uh, but let me just say before you go off on that too much, let me give you uh, where that line of thinking leads to. Okay. Okay. Because sometimes you just have to let go. Because if you don't let go, it shows that you don't have enough confidence in what you've done, and then what happens is uh, you go back. Uh, to a fully finished product and you fuck with it and people are used yeah. to hearing it a certain way. And then when you fuck with it, then they get upset and then they continue to bitch about it for, uh, at this point, 12 years. Oh. And then when you put it out in a different format, they're going to call you a money grubbing whore and, uh, and then they're going to continue to complain because they liked that particular baseline that you weren't happy with. You know, right. so the thing is now that now that Zach has it and it's his theme song, that version is finished because you have enough confidence in what you've done that you have to let it go. Now, if when by the time you put it on your own album, if if you decide that you want to tweak it fully, then you can continue to to tweak it. But there comes a point in any any creative person's life. That and this goes with live theater too. That you know, because you were saying you know that light should come up quicker or whatever. That you go, okay, fuck it. Tonight the light didn't come up quick, but right. you have to you know you have to believe in what happens other than that strongly enough that you have the strength of character to go. I'm done because if you want to blame Turkey Neck for anything, 
uh, really the saddest thing that's happened to him is he just doesn't have enough confidence in what he's done to believe that he did a good enough job. Right. He just keeps fucking with our baby. Right. Which is why on my show this week, I tell everybody for once and for all, for Christ's sake, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. It's actually, it's not something to be angry about. It's something to pity him for because he's just a sad little man who doesn't believe in the quality of his own work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, uh, I heard Kevin Smith on one of his zillion podcasts. I'm not sure which one. And he actually jumped to the defense of Turkey Neck and said, no, man, it's his film. If he wants to alter things, it's his pro it's his right. It's not yours. It's not your film. It's his film. If he wants to update it and change things, then more of the power to him. But also, Kevin Smith is someone who doesn't have confidence in his own work and is always cutting it down. Yeah. Agreed. I completely agree. But, I mean, it's like I said. I think I've said it on this show, or I've just said it to everybody who will listen. I'll still buy the Blu-rays, and I'll bitch about it, and I'll hate that I did it, but I'll still buy them. I know I will. I I, I know for a fact that I'm not going to because I I admit I am one of those annoying people that went out and bought – they came out with a limited edition on the uh, DVDs where they poured it over the Laserdiscs. And right. those Laserdisc ports were from before the special edition, so I'm done. I've got the movie I grew up with. I'm done. Yeah, see, I don't. Uh, the Star Wars trilogy was one of the things left in the death, the dead uh, DVD collection that got left behind. I understand. Um, so but I if, currently don't even own the Star Wars movies. But I'm, I'm betting, uh, knowing your particular history from listening to your show, I'm betting that I don't know the exact story of how ugly things were when you left. But if they are still there, I'll bet you she doesn't care about them enough, and maybe you can have uh, maybe you can have them shipped to you. <laughs> I would say differently because uh, Lenny of Planet Leisure spotted her father going into the store next door where they buy used DVDs and CDs. Okay, well then, that, quite frankly, that's fairly intelligent on her behalf. I'm sorry, but you know, you're, you're right because I did tell her at a certain point once things once I had already left and things started to get ugly, I essentially said, "Whatever's left, I don't want." do whatever you want with it. So. Yeah. And uh, you know, and if you have a chance to make a couple of bucks off off of your ex ex leaving their stuff, I'm sorry, that's that's a smart move. <laughs> it's true. I grabbed all the Blu-rays. I grabbed all the wrestling DVDs. I grabbed my robot uh voice activated R2 and all my guitars. I'm cool. Yeah, because let's let's face it, man. If if you're starting over, you're becoming a new man and none of that stuff is you. Exactly. And, you know, all you need, it's like the jerk. All you need is this lamp and this phone book. Okay, all I need is this lamp, this phone book, and this toilet seat. Okay, all I need is this lamp, my (laughs) Blu-rays, this toilet seat, and a computer. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it is really nice to shed off all the extra fat, so to speak. I mean, because, you know, you have so many things that you put in boxes, and then you move to your next place, and you put them in boxes. And I literally have none of that now. I mean, I have three pairs of pants, and six t-shirts you know and three dress shirts and it's a little scary but also very very refreshing i've done it before um you know where you know we moved across country and gave and got rid of everything we owned that wouldn't fit into the back of a pickup truck and it is it's incredibly liberating i mean there's there's a few things that you know either meant something to me or i didn't want to have to you know to pay to start to keep them you know to get them again so like i kept my computer i kept you know the television and i kept my guitar Um, but you know, and I kept like autographed books and stuff, but for the most part, you know, except for like clothes and essentials, everything goes away and it's kind of liberating. Yeah, it really is. I mean, now and again, I think of something that I left behind and I'm kind of like, Oh fuck. But even then it's just stuff. 
Yeah. It's just things. It's nothing like, I mean, my, my autographed Biff Tannen picture. But, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, in that, it's a framed picture of him with an autograph and a picture of me and Biff Tannen, you know, Thomas Wilson. Yeah. But even that, it's just a picture. And like my dad said, that picture will always be a mental picture. You'll always remember it. Exactly. So what does it matter that you don't have a frame on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, yeah, I got, last year I got a, a, an autographed picture with uh, Jonathan Frakes. I put it, I put it aside and uh, I don't think I've looked at it, but that, but what was nice to me was the conversation that I got to have because of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me meeting uh, Thomas Wilson, I had emailed him about a year before to his website because his website said, hey, email me here. I, I read everything. And I guess I was in a particularly, um, uh, the word just left my brain. Um, I was in a mood where I thought, yeah, yeah, Mr. Celebrity. So I actually emailed him and said, hey, I've always loved your work. On a side note, I think it's funny that celebrities always say, if you write to me, I'll respond. And then you never do. Personally, if I was a celebrity, I'd respond to everyone. So he wrote back and said, hey, since you said you'd respond, I guess I had to. Thanks for always watching, Tom. And I was like, oh, my God, Biff Tannen sent me an email. Yeah. <laughs> so then I replied and said, all right, you win. It's pretty cool that you emailed me back. And he emailed me back another time. So then when I heard that he was going to this toy convention in Florida, I actually enforced my entire family that we had to take a trip to Florida so that I could go to this convention and I stood in line for whatever forty-five minutes to meet Biff Tannen, my one of my the guy from my favorite childhood movies. And as I got up to the thing, I said, "Hey, uh, I'm Matt Lees. I've actually emailed you before." He punched the table, stood up in front of all these people, and said, "Matt Lees, get over here and give me a hug, boy." Aww. And he's a big man, so he hugged me, lifted me off the ground. I went bright red, was practically shaking, and uh, that was just that's an experience I will never ever forget. So yeah. even if he didn't remember me from the email, the fact that he made it seem like he did was one of the most pleasant experiences I've ever had. Yeah, and now I'm thinking that if uh, if I ever meet you face-to-face, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to slap the table, and I'm going to hug you until I lift you off the ground. Fair enough. I would expect no less from you, good sir. <laughs> Considering I'm about a foot taller than you, it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, speaking, not, qu- I'm not quite a foot eating, taller than you. Sorry, go ahead. I said I'm not actually quite a foot taller than you. You're five... Uh, you're five what? Uh, I don't know. I, I always get yelled at by Ollie for this because he calls me a hobbit, and I'm convinced I'm not a hobbit. Right. I got to be five eight. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's that's the height of my best friend Jason. I mean, yeah, five eight. I'm I'm only six two. So yeah, that's I'm not a foot taller than you. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um. Well, you know, to to close off here. Speaking of meeting meeting people we admire. Uh, last weekend I got to go to London to see a live recording of Space Monkeys. Oh yeah, I meant to ask you. That was one of the things I meant to ask you today. Yes, but it's your show, yeah. so I'm not interviewing. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. You can say whatever you want on this show. That's the beauty of it. You can <laughs> even say the c word. <laughs> uh, so I went to London to see Space Monkeys, which is of course Brian Johnson and Quinn from Tell Him Steve Dave. Um, and it was all it was everything I expected it to be. It was an awesome experience. Uh, they. It was, uh, you could tell a little bit because they only had an hour because the theater directly after us was being used for a Grease sing-along, <laughs> which not going to lie, I totally considered, hey man, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to watch Grease with these crazy fuckers dressed up as the pink ladies and the T-birds. Yeah. But uh, they, uh, it was really cool. But I mean, I think what the best part was um, at the end of the show, uh, literally Johnson just started packing up his laptop while everybody left. And uh, sorry, I need to backtrack for a second. Right before they finished, they called up a special guest 
which was Ian Morris, the writer of The Inbetweeners. Right. So he's apparently buddies with them, so he's chatting on stage for a few minutes. So then they finish the show, Brian's packing up his laptop, everybody's leaving, and Ian from The Inbetweeners and Brian are just standing there. So I was like, fuck it, how many chances am I going to get? Especially now that I don't live in North America. Right. I walked right to the front, and I said, hi, Ian, sorry to bother you, but I, I love the show. I was wondering if I can get a picture. And he said, of course you can. We talked for about five minutes. You know, he, he was very polite. I got a picture with Brian, who was also really cool, which I wasn't sure about, because sometimes Brian on the Tell Him Steve Dave comes off, I don't want to say as a jerk, but he comes off very cold sometimes, you know. He, it's Yeah, it's a sign of depression. If you listen to it, you can tell that he's clinically depressed. I know clinically depressed people, and yeah, no, he's textbook. Right. So, I mean, you're not sure if you're going to get, hey, man, nice to meet you or, oh, God, this guy wants to shake my fucking hand and take a picture now. Yeah, because but the, he was told he couldn't have been nicer. Than me. Nice. Yeah, because that's actually one of the signs of depression is that if you don't think that you're worth somebody uh, shaking their your hand, then you judge them for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I tried not to be fanboy. So I literally just said, hey, man, if the show has given me countless hours of laughing my ass off, so I can only thank you for that. And uh, he, we took a picture together, and then I, I went outside to the front because they did an after party at a pub across the street. Yes. Uh, but you had to have a wristband to get in. So then I go outside, and Quinn is standing there handing out wristbands to people. Oh, fantastic. And there's a crowd of people around him, and I'm looking around. And, of course, then you hear that token Q accent. Right. And I'm like, oh, he's right over there. So I go over. I wait in line for a few minutes, and then I come up, and he goes to put the wristband on me. And I said – Oh, no, I'm not going to go to the after party because there's a lot of I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a party guy who goes to a party with a hundred strangers. Um, plus, I went to the show on my own, so I didn't have like a wingman to hang out with. Right. So I just said, no, I totally just wanted to be at the show and I just would like to get a photo with you if I can. And he's like, totally. So we got the photo. He chatted with me a few minutes. He made me check the picture on my phone and show it to him to ensure that we were both happy with it. Oh, Fantastic. Uh, we got to chat for a few minutes and for me and then I, you know, I essentially walked back to my hotel, but I was walking, you know, you're on cloud nine almost because it was just, it was a perfect end to it. I didn't say anything stupid. They didn't say anything cold. It went off perfectly. I didn't stick around too long to make it awkward because sometimes there's that temptation to just stand there. Yeah. And if you would have gone to the after party, you would have like, you would have been off to the side and you would have been drinking alone. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. With a hundred people who are trying to get two minutes of their attention. Yeah. They want FaceTime. And so, yeah. And if you didn't, if you weren't one of those people or if you felt kind of pathetic about it, yeah, no, I, I've, I've been in your situation and I believe, uh, you have, uh, you have my, uh, uh, reinforcement that you did exactly the right thing. Absolutely. Cause I mean, I got, I got a moment with Brian almost alone. So that was fantastic. And I got to joke around with Quinn for a few minutes and I was like, this can't get any better. It's only going to go downhill. I'm going to go home now, which was yeah. perfect for me. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then you had a nice jerk off. Well, I was staying in a hotel with my mother, so no, I didn't. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, but it was really cool. Uh, they told a great story about how Ian took them to a media-only bar the night before. And uh, Johnson said that his knee had started to bother him, so he was going to head back to the hotel. Uh, at which point, uh, each guy, Quinn and Ian from Inbetweeners, are both wasted and giving him opposite directions. <laughs> so Johnson's like well I'm going to listen to the guy who lives in London so I'm going to listen to his directions so essentially he went out walked around for an hour got lost and ended up right back in front of this media bar <laughs> so of course he's pissed off he's angry I like how I'm telling his story too um, but that's alright because his is only going to be available on Bandcamp and I'm giving it to you for free Boosh. Um, 
they so essentially he goes back into this bar. He has to argue with the person because it's media only, and he's wearing a white T-shirt and gym shorts, and the guy doesn't seem to recognize him. So anyway, he gets back in, and he's, of course, pissed off that he just walked around for an hour. And he goes up to Quinn, and he's like, Quinn, can we fucking leave now? And Quinn says, no, man, I'm totally drinking with Stephen Merchant over there. Oh, wow. And Brian says, fuck you, fuck Stephen Merchant, and fuck London. And that was basically the end of his story, which was really, it was a really great moment. Everybody laughed really hard at that. Because, you know, if you, because he even said, he's like, as of right now, I love Stephen Merchant. I'm a huge fan. But at that moment, I was thinking, fuck Stephen Merchant. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool. And uh, like I said, the guys couldn't have, been, couldn't have been cooler. The show was packed. There was a lot of people in the line that were really excited to go in and see them. So it could, I couldn't have had a better time. It was really, really cool. And I love London. Yeah. I've been a lot of places, but I haven't. This is my first time in London as an adult, and I fucking love London. Oh, fantastic. I've never been there. It's amazing. People say that it's dirty and expensive, and I didn't see any of that. I no. really had a fantastic time, and nobody tried to mug me, which I can't say for Wales. Yeah, and considering, you know, I've, I've lived in Los Angeles, I spent, uh, you know, about a month in New York. Uh, they can't be any dirtier or, or high, highly, you know, crime ridden than those two cities, for Christ's sake. No, well, apparently the Welsh town that I'm living in isn't exactly safe. No. So, you know. Well, well I almost got mugged my first night here. Wow. Yeah. Actually, yeah, you put that story up on Facebook. That's right, I read it. No, yeah, no you talked about it last well, week. I, I, I'll tell it for the, because the episode I did it on was plagued by technical difficulties. I'll tell it quickly before we wrap up here. I essentially decided to walk to the 24-hour store here uh, to buy a movie so I could watch because my parents were working evenings at this point. So it's probably my second night here. In fact, I think it is my second night here, so I'm still jet-lagged or whatever. I make the 12-minute walk into our shopping center here to the 24-hour store, and I go up and around this corner, and I hear, Hey! Hey, get over here! Only in a Welsh accent. So I decide to take... I cut this corner, and as I come into this opening, which is a parking lot, I take the next 20 seconds to sprint across the parking lot to get a distance between myself and whoever that was. Because it wasn't a, hey, come here, as in, like, Hey man, you want to have a drink? Or hey, how are? It was a very, a very meaningful, meaningful, meaningful. Oh, whatever. They were intending to be intimidating. Uh, so as I got to the other end of the parking lot and looked back, I saw them split up, kind of like you know, flanking. You go this way, I'll go this way. Uh, I got into the store uh, inside which they followed me around for twenty minutes before leaving. I went outside and called a cab to get me home safely and told the cab driver my adventure. And he said, yeah, you can't walk around this place at night by yourself. Which is, this is my childhood home. I didn't expect them to, to, to have that kind of experience here. Very strange. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Uh, okay, so it sounds like we're starting to get some Skype breakup, which I don't know that you can hear. But uh, we probably should think about wrapping this up. But let me just say, uh, on behalf of the listeners, Matt, I'm glad that you're doing okay over there. Well, thank you. It's, uh, I appreciate that. And like I said, last uh, episode, I got a lot of listener emails saying exactly that, which was really, really cool. I sometimes bitch at my listeners for not emailing us, but the fact that, you know, a few people took the time to even just write a brief paragraph that said, Hey, I heard the show. Keep your head up. We're all rooting for you. That's a really cool thing to hear. I mean, it's, it's definitely nice to hear from a friend such as yourself. But like in a, when an essential stranger just emails you just to say, hey, man, I hope everything goes well. I'll be listening. Yeah. That was really cool. So to everybody that sent me the well wishes, I thoroughly appreciate it. It did not fall on deaf ears, and it definitely 
even during the moments when I feel kind of lonely and kind of bummed out about it, the fact that I have listeners and friends all over the world, essentially, which is what technology allows you to do, that really helps you get through and helps you not feel alone in the world because you're just a few clicks away from a friend that you can sit and talk with for an hour even though you've never met. Exactly. I, I know. I, I feel exactly the same way. And let me just go ahead and say now to anybody who's listening that is, whenever I can, whenever I have free time and we can figure out how to do this, I will be willing uh, to talk to you uh, and, and and continue your podcast whenever we can. Perfect. I appreciate it. And like, I hope to be back on my feet as soon as I can. But it's a matter of, to be realistic, I need a new board. I need a new computer. So it's going to be some time. But uh, I mean, need- once I... Sorry. Well, that's it. I was just saying, you know, once I get all that together, then I will get back on the weekly thing. But for now, it may not be every week, but as often as I can, I'll get something out there. And I appreciate you guys being patient with us. And, you know, like I said, JJ, JJ says he'll do it when he can, which is thoroughly appreciated. You're a good man for doing that. Um, Hopefully when I pick up my new iPhone, we can install Skype on that. And hopefully that'll be a little easier Um, when you're available to record it. At least it may give us a little more clear signal on my end. Yeah, exactly. And we can kind of fix that. But, no, I really appreciate you doing this for uh, for me, for us, for the listeners. And, uh, folks, check out JJ, Mars Needs Podcasts. You can get it uh, both on iTunes. Is that You can still get it on iTunes? Yep. And at the website of doom.com, and which, by the way, is a great name for a website. Isn't oh, it? I love the website of Doom. I'm so happy there. And what I've been telling people on uh, my show lately, and I'm going to say it now for, uh, for yours as well, if you listen to Matt... Uh, make sure you go to iTunes and rate the show. Uh, people, uh, the, the way that that iTunes recognizes shows is it takes your it has this weird algorithm. But one of the things that it, it you know takes your listener base and stuff, but it also takes how many people new people are rating you and reviewing you. And so it's always important that if you listen to a podcast and you like a podcast, and especially if they're not on a network. Uh, but from like Adam Carolla or the Nerdist or or Smodcast or whatever, if you're you know if you're supporting somebody who you know just wants to try to entertain you out of their house and they're doing it all themselves, make sure you rate them and review them because uh, that's how they are going to hopefully eventually compete with the big boys. So make sure you rate our friend Matt. Well, thank you very much for doing that, JJ. No problem. And uh, folks, for the future episodes, I'm reading a book called Chariot of the Gods which I learned about through the show called Ancient Aliens. So we may get, be getting into some deep shit coming up in the next few months. Nice. Edging in my spit, motherfucker. Hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me. While I'm alone, blues can be. Dream a little dream of me. Stars fading, but I linger on, dear Still craving your kiss I'm longing to linger till dawn, dear Just saying this Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave all worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me
Say nighty night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Dream a little dream of me 